Hello and welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Welcome back to Soberholic Podcast, where we believe that recovery is for every person, every minute, every day. My name's Roger, and I'm here with my co-host, Rockin' Mike number two, Jason Rice. Man, I'm Mike number one. Well, I'm, I'm the first talker, so You're, you become okay. Mike number two. All right. Yeah, I hear you. Don't, don't insecurity uh, there, huh? my fragile ego here. Yeah, insecurity. That's the reason we work our recovery every minute, every day. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up, man? How's your day been? It's good. It's early. We're, we're doing this early one. I like these. See, I, I do too. I personally, in, in everyday life, I try to get my bigger things, the, the more challenging things done by noon every day. Yeah. You know. Now, that don't mean I'm off at noon every day. You know, it's just stop at noon. But I try to get those important things in by noon. Because if not, I find a way to put them off till tomorrow. Yeah. And, I mean, also my voice is deeper in the morning. So that's you, always a good thing. You get squeaky in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, um, you know, I was trying to think of a good topic for us to talk about. And, um, you know, sobriety, of course, is a great topic to talk about when you're talking about recovery. And I know um, here recently how we're still doing this coronavirus stuff. And I feel like we've been talking about, you know, corona days for uh, almost a year now because we have. Yeah. And um, it still seems to be the topic in recovery communities and everywhere. And it got me thinking about what my recovery has looked like and even what it looks like today. And when I first walked into recovery um, in 2004, I walked into a little clubhouse um, because this particular AA group I was a part of owned their own building, and which was unique for a lot of AA buildings. And, mm. and you know this same building well, mm-hmm. um, because most places like use a church, you know, maybe rent out a church or borrow a church room or something like that. Well, they own their own building. And I walked into there and it was slap full of cigarette smoke because you could smoke cigarettes inside of it. You still can. Uh, yep, still can. <laughs> um, even though it's against the law where we're at, but they, yeah. they're still doing it. Um, and I literally, at that time, I smoked and I still choked up when I walked in there. Oh, I was yeah. like, I couldn't, I can't do this. Um, but cigarette smoke was everywhere. Uh, that Friday night, they had a bingo night, and I think about once a month, we would do a potluck, and I, I sat there, and I almost started crying the first month I got sober, because I was like, this is my life. This is as good as it gets. Cigarette smoke, bingo, and potluck. And coffee. Don't yeah. forget the coffee, the burnt coffee. I didn't even drink coffee then. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was horrible for me. I was like, this is, as, this is what recovery is, you know, because I didn't know no better. I just knew I had to have, st- you know, be, what's the word? I had to find stimulus on everything that I did, you know, prior to that. I always had to be engaged in something. I was always high. I was always going to a party. I was always doing something. Mm-hmm. And then so my life drastically slowed down. Yeah, because like, and and when I remember we first getting in there, they, they there was this um like a AA campout thing. You remember that? Yeah. Did you ever go to that? I went to all of them. Yeah. I loved them. And they would, I mean, it was like these were the type things that they would get excited about. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got the campout coming up in a couple of weeks. Blah blah. And I remember thinking, this is 
this is what you're looking forward to. Like, this is all there is. But I think the reason why it seemed so depressing at the time is coming out of such a life of chaos. You know, when when you get sober, that chaos starts to subside. And, you know, there seems to be just like, just like normal life stuff happening. And it just kind of seems boring all of a sudden, you know, and it's hard to let that chaotic lifestyle go, you know? Yeah. When you remove yourself from all those negative people that cause so much drama in your life, um, there's not a whole lot to do, you know, as far as with just taking up mind space. Mm -hmm. And so things are much simpler and so you have to learn how to do that. And for me personally, that's one of the, the, the reasons I had to learn how to live in my own skin. You know, yeah. for so long, so long, I would just kind of run out and do to try to not have to deal with my own feelings. And when things slow down so much, you have to begin looking inward and dealing with some of that stuff. And that's the reason I believe that whole 90 meetings in 90 days is so important just to feel that Fill your time up with as much as you can of safe recovery meetings. And I did those things. Oh, yeah. And, um, in fact, I did a lot more than that for a lot longer than that. Probably the, I don't know, I'm guessing the first two years or so, um, I went to a meeting every day, sometimes two a day. Oh, yeah. And that was a lot of that. And even afterwards, we would find places to go with recovery groups. Like, we would get done with our meeting. And we would go out bowling. Yeah. And we would find things like that. And there was about a, a small group of maybe six of us that would do stuff like that. Even we would play a lot of poker. Um, mm -hmm. Not like high stakes. It was always more like buddy friend few, poker. A few bucks. Yeah, $20 buy-in or something. Yeah. And um, that was when Texas Hold'em was big way back then. Oh, yeah. And we had a good time doing it. And I got to know people on a deeper level. Um, because in a meeting, you, you, you hear their recovery stories, but you don't get to know the person. Right. A lot of times. And so I made uh, real friendships by doing a lot of those after um, activities. So it was cool to do those things, and I love doing those things. And but even as I kept getting, I can't say more sober. I mean, you either sober or you're not. Yeah. But you know, as I work my steps, probably yeah. would be the better way of saying that. Um, I, I was still going to meetings quite often, and I was going. Well, you know, I don't know that I could ever live a day without going to a meeting because meetings became my safe spot. I didn't know how to, to really navigate life without a meeting, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was I was firmly rooted in that whole, I cannot stay sober unless I go to a crazy number of meetings. <laughs> um, my first my first go around, um, those, those three years, I mean, I went to a meeting every day almost, uh, well, until I relapsed and then I kind of didn't go anymore but actually no i still went i think some <laughs> i went in there uh not sober but i uh, i think that i was kind of more going to meetings out of a sense of fear you know um i i, I worked the steps and i and i did get some relief like from the cravings for you know to to want to use and all that kind of stuff but i i thought it was kind of like a magic formula that if I go to these meetings, I won't relapse, you know, and if I go to more of them, well, then that's even more insurance that I'm definitely not going to relapse. Well, that's not the case, you know, and I, I found that out the hard way. And I think it kind of comes down to like a faith versus fear um, kind of thing. Um, of course, 
if you're early on in, in sobriety, I, I think it's probably a good idea to go to a lot of meetings, you know. But, um, you know, this time, this time, since I got sober this time, like I haven't, I haven't followed that same formula where more meetings equals sobriety. Um, and I did go when I, when I got sober this, this time, I mean, I did go to a pretty good bit of meetings, you know, that the first year, first couple of years, but I mean, I've gone to less, you know, since then. And then with this coronavirus thing, you know, I mean, if if you would have told me two or three years ago the, the amount of meetings that I, I'm going to now, like I would have been like, well, you're going to relapse only going to meetings that 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 few and far between. But that hadn't been the case, you know. Right. Well, you know, there's that saying, "Meeting makers make it." Yeah. And um, I held on to a lot of those slogans in the beginning, and and I believe them. I still tell my sponsors that same stuff today because I think it's true. But I do believe that our sobriety changes throughout time. You know, of of what is required to stay sober. Uh, some things don't change, but there are there are portions of it that changes. Uh, I remember I was about seven years sober, and I had begun going to church at that time i had not been going to church my spirituality happened inside of an aa group you know that that's what i would tell people and my father-in-law was one of the ones that got me questioning some of that he's like well what about your son what is what what does he do for his spirituality Mm. and i was like hmm so we we began searching for a church because I, i realized with just that question um Maybe maybe I'm searching for more and just don't know it. And mm-hmm. so I, I found out that I was. Um, and, you know, it, it took my faith to a different level that I had really never experienced before. But in the meantime there, we were asked to start a Celebrate Recovery meeting, which is a Christian 12-step program. Right. And um, I remember the pastor saying, well, you know, maybe one day you could just do CR and not do AA anymore. And I remember, just like it was yesterday, like, no, no, there's no way I could never not do AA. That's what's keeping me sober. Right. And, you know, and basically thinking in my head, you know, the meetings, I've got to make it to these meetings. But also through that seven years, just trying to recap, I guess, just those seven years, uh, a lot of things changed. You know, when I went into recovery, uh, there was no um, wife, you know, in my life. I was all on my own. Heck, I had left my house and moved in with my parents because it was safer to be with them. Yeah, you know, it's just <laughs> let's put the precautions in place. Yeah. And um, so I had made it back on my own, um, probably a year into it, living back in my house. Um, I had began dating my wife, uh, who 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 become who would become my wife. We got married. Um, had a kid, um, and so there's a re- lot of responsibilities that begin happening, right? And you're fr- figuring out how to navigate how to be married, um, how to spend time with your wife, because, I mean, what good is meetings if you just go to meetings all the time and never get to enjoy the blessings that God give you? You know, like, no, son, I can't do nothing with you today. i got to go to a meeting. Like, I get that in the beginning, but you can't always put off their baseball game because you got a meeting to go to. You, you've got to go to their baseball game, too. Yeah, and we and, and I've seen that play out with different, you know, people uh, in meetings or whatever when they, they've been in there three or four years, and then they start having problems in their marriage because their wife is like, okay, when am I going to actually get you back, you know? And, uh, you know, that can definitely be a problem because you got to find some type of balance at some point when you, when you achieve, 
when you're in the maintenance, you know, um, stage of your long-term sobriety. But I, I think what you were talking about with, with going to church and, and um, I, I think what keeps us sober is working recovery principles. No matter where that is, if that's in an AA meeting, if that's in a, a CA meeting, if that's in church, if that's in a celebrate recovery group, it doesn't matter where it's happening at. Long as we're working recovery principles, that's what keeps me sober. And uh, you know, I, obviously, I go to church too, um, heavily involved, and a lot of those recovery principles I'm, are getting worked through the church that I'm in. And so it's not like when I say I don't go to a lot of meetings, it's not like I'm not still working recovery principles. Right. Yeah, and and everybody's story is different. You know, I'm not saying one way is right or wrong. Um, The whole reason I wanted to do this show was to show people that maybe their ideal of what long-term recovery looks like is different than what it actually may be. You know, the expectation may be different. For instance, I have a sponsor. You have an ex-sponsor um, who his his daughter is is older now. She's you know uh, she's married and lives in a different state, and so and he, he's divorced, so he's single. You know, and so he goes to a meeting like every night, and he's been sober multiple years. And I would call him definitely in long term sobriety. And so, but the, for him and his lifestyle right now. That's good for him. He goes to a meeting every yeah. night, and he gets to work his recovery principles every day. I mean, with or without a meeting, but he chooses to go to a meeting to do it. And so there's nothing wrong with that to know that he's in long-term sobriety and find himself in a meeting almost every day. Now, I myself have found that over the years, um, I don't go to a meeting every day anymore. In fact, I can kind of remember testing the waters to begin with and said, okay, <laughs> we just won't go – Sunday because we go to church on Sunday and that be that will be my recovery meeting. Yeah. You know, and begin looking at that. Because for me, my wife is also in recovery. So we're always talking about these things like we're afraid to change what has worked. And and for the longest times, yeah, meetings worked. Yeah. And so why would we take that away? But there come that balance you're talking about of well, how do we how do we navigate being uh, parents to three children and doing everything they need to do and then also protecting our marriage and you know how, how do we do all that so we had to find time and the only way to find time was to start backing off some of these meetings but we had to figure out the safest way to do that yeah and that had to happen after we had worked the steps oh i mean you don't just jump in well you know i still got that job to do you know uh, i'm on step three but i'll get to them things yeah no no that is not what we're talking i'm talking long-term sobriety years if we start backing off some meetings oh yeah and i don't know really i've always classified long some long-term sobriety longer than five years yeah someone else may say differently but right i myself is that's what i say it is yeah, and I mean it's it's about finding that balance. Like um, I, I know for me, um, I you know it wasn't until really you know when I got married that that's kind of when I was like you know this this whole going to meetings, you know, two three four nights a week that it's not it just wasn't a sustainable deal you know, and um i i struggle with the same thing that you struggled with as far as like well you know am i going to stay sober you know 
and uh, it, it just come down to like I could still re- work the recovery principles without going to a meeting every night. And I, and I think one of the key pieces of the puzzle here is having a sponsor. You know, everybody's situation is different. It's not we're not saying we're not saying at all don't go to meetings and you cannot go to meetings and stay sober. You might not be that person. I know people that that they you know they go to meetings. They never work the steps, not a one step. They just go to meetings almost every day, and they've stayed sober. And that's kind of how they stayed sober. They didn't actually work any steps. It's just the act of going to the meeting every day that keeps them sober. Right. And so, you, you know, you might be that person that needs a meeting every day for the rest of your life. And if, if you are, that's okay. Um, your, your life might, you know, be set up in a way where that's not a problem, but, um, you know, it, it's really, everybody has a, has a, has a specific recipe of recovery that's unique to them. You know, the recovery is not a one size fits all for everybody. And so this is really something that if you have a sponsor, you know, you, you need to sit down and work this out with them if you are in long-term sobriety. And I know me and you have had conversation after conversation this last year with all this coronavirus stuff where I've asked you, hey, you know, like, you know, you think I'm okay? I mean, we're not, <laughs> like, am I, am I going to, like, make it? Am right. I going to be okay here? <laughs> like, I'm not even going to any meetings right now, you right. know, because of all this coronavirus stuff and all this. But, I mean, I was able to, I've stayed in contact with you. Me and you have continued to talk about recovery. We've continued to, you know, um, kind of take, take a little 10-step inventories and assess where we're at in our recovery and without that, I mean, this would have been, you know, that that your your sponsor in in long term, you know, sobriety is just as important as early on to me. Yeah, one of the things that keep me that keeps me in in my recovery is sponsees. You know, um, even I may find myself not really doing anything other than working with my sponsees, which keeps me in my recovery. Because when I'm telling them to do something, it triggers me to go do what I'm asking them to do. So that's the benefit of having sponsees. Um, you know, I, I guess looking looking through it all, um, th- things are are different for me in in recovery now than they were in the beginning. Um, I, I really thought that, you know, it was going to be bingo smoke and potlucks, mm-hmm. you know, and that's far from what my recovery looks like today. Um, in fact, it, what I have today is very much, um, I, I guess the best way to explain it is my, my life looks normal as normal as normal can look mm-hmm. like. I mean, I, I have a family. We do things as a family. We just got back from a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went to Disney world. I mean, that's, that's a huge vacation to take, you know, three kids on. And I was able to do that because of my recovery, right. you know, and I was able to do that because I did go to meetings for so long, but I'm finding some balance today. You know, you mentioned that the key to all of this was a sponsor. And I, I agree to that to some extent. Um, I, I personally believe that the key to all of this is being honest with yourself. Yeah. And that's what a sponsor will help you do. Right. Um, when you're, in, well, first of all, if you're doing drugs, you're never going to be honest with yourself. Right. Um, if you're an early recovery, odds are you're half honest with yourself. 
um, you know, you, you want to believe it, <laughs> yeah. but you're, you're, you're still listening to that, that old man, you know, and not really being, being honest. And so that's where you bounce everything off a, off a sponsor. I mean, everything, mm-hmm. because you don't know what's true or what's not. The smoke clears somewhere through all of that to where you can begin making rational thoughts. And like for me early on, I would have thoughts about using, yeah. you know, and they would scare me to death. Like I'm fixing to go use. Cause I had a thought that I may, a beer sounded good, yeah. you know? And for me, I don't know why. I mean, I am alcoholic. I mean, I've had multiple DUIs, but I would still tell you I'm a drug addict over an alcoholic. Right. Um, but for some reason it's always alcohol. I go back to, it's never really the drugs that I have dreams or thoughts of. And so those early thoughts would scare me to death. And now here I am um decades clean and i still have those same thoughts from time to time right but they don't scare me today like i know that it's normal to have those thoughts it's i'm not messed up because i have those thoughts it just shows me i'm alcoholic um the difference is when i have that thought do i i really entertain that thought that's the big difference because there have been times i've entertained those thoughts in long-term sobriety and I had not been going to meetings, and I realized then you better get to a meeting and start yes. sharing these things. Oh yeah. And so that's what I mean about being honest with myself. If I keep trying to push that back and go, nah, nah, it's not really a big deal. When I know it's a big deal, um, there's problems coming. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I would be the first to to run back to meetings every day if I needed to. You of know? course. Um, I, I hope I would. Um. Cause like I, I, it's been a long time since I've had an urge to want to drink or use, to the extent of of it being more than just like a passing thought. Mm-hmm. I, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, a, a dream where I was where I drank, and I don't know why. I mean, it's always drinking in my dreams most of the time, and I woke up, but it didn't bother me. You know, it, it, I woke up and was like, "Huh, it's been a while since I've had one of those." Um, but even years later, I'm still having those, but. You know, if I would have woke up and been like, wow, you know, that that's really getting on me, I, w- I would have called you and I would have probably went to a meeting, um, hopefully. Um, and and the, the thing about when you have thoughts to want to use or drink when you're in long-term sobriety is you, you've had so much practice at training yourself what to do when you do have those thoughts that it kind of becomes second nature, mm-hmm. you know, like being able to play the tape out you know, and being able to say, well, okay, well, let's, let's, let's run this tape out. Okay. Let's say I go get a drink and I have a, I have a drink. I might be fine or I might not. And I might end up in jail, you know, within six hours. So, um, all those things come with long-term sobriety and, um, you know, there, I I can't say that there won't be a time in my life where I am going to meetings every day. You know, I don't know that. Well, I guess um, for me, if if our listeners really care, um, my <laughs> my my recovery looks like this right now. I haven't been to a meeting in weeks. I really haven't. Yeah. Um, a lot of that's due to coronavirus. Um, and and the reason I say that is, for me, I I, I led a ministry, a, a celebrate recovery ministry, for I I don't know ten plus years. I, I've led one. And here recently, we shut our our last place that we started down because of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was it was almost impossible to sustain what we needed to do to make it work right. 
And so when I shut that down, uh, my option, because that was the only CR that we had here locally, was to go back to an AA meeting, which was the same smoke-filled AA meeting that I went to before. And me personally, I, I just I can't stand the smell of cigarette smoke anymore. And I know that sounds like <laughs> a, a, a cop-out because I do have a non-smoking meeting and all of that. But I was like, you know, I, I don't care to try to make that work. And so um, I haven't made it to a meeting in a while. That doesn't mean that my recovery stopped because for me, thankfully, um, you know, I've got a dozen, half dozen friends, close friends, not acquaintances, but friends, you know, people that I, I can call anytime. And those people are all in recovery. Mm-hmm. And so we talk just like you and I was talking about earlier. And when we talk, we talk about recovery. Oh, yeah. And we're talking about, you know, what's going on. And that's that's really my conversation. Not like, are you white knuckling it right now? Those yeah, yeah, conversations yeah. are gone. But, you know, uh, you know, have you been doing so-and-so? Or what what are you doing with this? How are you doing with your meetings? And right. I was just talking to one of my former sponsors the other day. And, and he's got to where he goes to one meeting or so a month right now and you know he's got probably 30 years of sobriety right Right. now and we were talking about some other friends of ours who's got 30 plus years of sobriety and they're not going to meetings every day anymore or maybe not even every month and so it's i guess i say all this and wanted to say this to maybe our listeners who who are on the fence about what to do i'm not talking you out of going to meetings if you feel like you need them go to them go Uh, but i was always kind of taught early on that if you don't see people around a meeting room anymore, they've relapsed. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, that is far from the truth. I know many people in long-term sobriety who no longer goes to meetings, but that does not mean their recovery stopped. They're still working with people um, just like we're, we're called to do. Yeah. You know, we're going to give back what we've been given, but you know, they don't do it every day in a recovery meeting. Yeah. And I mean, for me, what mine looks like is, right now is, is not far from yours i i went to that smoke field meeting uh just about three weeks ago <laughs> it was very smoky <laughs> <laughs> but um you know that that's probably the only meeting i've been to in in the last couple months and uh but that i mean not not a week and really rarely a day or two goes by that i'm not talking to somebody about recovery in some way and I've even done a couple of twelve-step calls in the last week. Um, so, the the elements of recovery, the principles of recovery, are still happening. It's just I'm not going to a meeting every day. And and like you, some of that is just you know there's not as many meetings that are meeting in person. Um, that smoke field meeting that I went to, there wasn't there wasn't not one mask <laughs> getting worn in there. Right. And I was just I was the only one with a mask on. The whole place. <laughs> I was just that like, was just to filter out the cigarette smoke. That was just fil- <laughs> a mask smells like cigarettes now. But I mean, you know, and and I'm not like a super fearful person or you know Nazi mask wear or anything. But I mean, I was like, come on, guys, just try a little. Right. But anyway, I mean, some of, some of it is because of the coronavirus and you know our, our regular meeting you know that we were going to weekly is is not meeting anymore you know but some of it is just because i'm i'm able and i feel safe in the fact that i'm still talking recovery a lot you know on a regular basis with people and i'm still still have that recovery network that i'm i'm in touch with and that 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 is still there and it's not gone away 
Well, to sum it all up, I guess I could say this, and maybe you'll agree with me. Um, whether you're in you know early stages of recovery or long-term recovery, I, I still hold to the idea that it's easy to stay sober in a meeting. But it's really a matter of what you do when you leave those four walls of what you do with your life. And it's a matter of are you working your recovery principles or not? You mm-hmm. know, um, and I think that can be done you know, both of those, whether it's early stages or late stages of recovery, you, you work those principles outside among people, among friends, and it, it all boils down to how you're doing that. And so, um, if you find yourself today, um, in either of those stages of recovery, uh, just know that, um, recovery can happen. It can happen for you. It can happen every minute. It can happen every day. It's just a matter if you put the work into it. And so I guess that brings us to the close of another episode. Yeah. So let's wrap it up, man. My name's Roger. I'm Jason. And we're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. Soberholics.